for Breakfast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Britt. Hey, Jess. How are you doing? Prepping for the snowstorm tomorrow. I guess we're getting like another 10 inches, which is kind of fun. We are? Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited Uh, about that. Do you have plans? I have this one friend who I've been trying to get dinner with for two months and every like something always pops up and the last one was because it was super cold outside to eat so I just hope that that doesn't get pushed again God's plan you guys aren't meant to hang out <laughs> I guess so <laughs> what else is going on well let's see yesterday I booked a few trips for the end of 2021 so that was very exciting because I'm dying to travel now these have got to be work yes so yeah yeah so it was this work conference called engage it's where like all these different vendors from across the world come together and it's like a luxury wedding summit and they're so much fun they usually put us up in like these really fancy hotels like one's in like como one was in montenegro and then one's at the breakers in palm beach so was this like the the dubai one you did just like a minute before covid hit yes literally the week before the (laughs) country shut down (laughs) we weren't in we weren't in in the mix at that point but brit it was like march 10th and brit's like literally on the top of this like tower like no i'm like everyone the whole world was shutting down except for dubai like i was i remember texting i was like yo are you getting home and i was like yeah of course what do you mean i was like why are you acting so weird and i land and literally like that week i have to close my office because of oh gosh so now they reopened the conferences because there's hope at the end of the tunnel. People can start having weddings again. But it's interesting because during this pandemic, you know, I've always been all about weddings and all about beautini. But I started this podcast with you. Now I am launching a beauty line. So it's interesting because, you know, you spend a lot of money for these conferences. And the hopes mm-hmm. is that you connect with people and then they get to learn more about your company and ultimately refer clients to you. So there's usually like this ROI, obviously, it has to make sense. So I'm a little yeah. bit nervous because I just don't know who like a lot of venues aren't paying people paying their people to go this year to these conferences they can't afford it so it'll be just interesting to see like how the industry has changed like who's going is it going to be worth my investment especially when I'm like sort of moving moving forward forward in a different direction you've always kind of straddled since I've known you you've always sort of straddled the line of like beauty and weddings and weddings is your bread and butter beauty is your passion but you sort of have to like sit in both lanes yeah weddings pay my bills so that's exactly and I love them and I love them so (laughs) much but I've always wanted to go into like the beauty side of things a little bit deeper so I don't know if these are just going to be very expensive vacations for me or if they're going to be great conferences but either way I'm going to Italy and I'm going to Florida (laughs) I do agree though when I left finance like when I sort of made that decision to really like go after a, a career in entertainment one of the things I struggled with most was leaving all those relationships sort of behind because mm-hmm. they don't know people are like oh every it's always all relationships are good relationships well yes relationships with hedge fund managers <laughs> are a lot different with relationships with like tv and movie and podcast producers it's two different worlds yes there are some similarities but you know when you spend 10 years when you spend your 20s yeah. like building up this career and then to transition it's it, I'm, I'm assuming that's sort of what you're going through right now and, and struggling with a bit and I can totally relate but you know that was honestly one of my biggest fears like I didn't tell anyone in my wedding industry about Bea Ooh, the pod, the for secrets. months because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want them to not refer clients or think I'm going to just leave it because like I ended up going through a lot this summer with Butini to make sure I could make 
culture grows and I'm very much a part of it. But it was funny because once I did open up to a lot of my vendor friends, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. How can Mm -hmm. we help you with the launch party? How can we be involved? So it's like fun. It's almost like coming out of the closet in a sense that I came out (laughs) like a 2020 (laughs) closet where I'm like, hey guys, like I'm actually working on this. And it was cool to see how supportive the wedding industry has been. So I'm excited to get like my whole thing with starting with this opportunity of the podcast was being more open to unplanned opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I think the conferences, I usually say, okay, I need to get like X amount of wedding bookings from this conference for me to justify going to another one. Now I just have to be a little bit more open minded that maybe one of the venues wants to keep some of the Bea products in their hotel rooms for their guests. Or maybe there's a relationship that I haven't even thought of that will come out of it that will outweigh a wedding booking so I'm just trying to be open I get it though it's definitely something to think about you need to get the vaccine are you on it like do you have a date yet well that's why everyone's hoping that we get the vaccines before these conferences but yeah no. I guess we're my boyfriend and I are getting them I think next week what yeah. wait no way how I don't know he just had some person call him and they're like they booked it <gasps> and I think it's like a concierge type service oh my gosh too You're sure so, though. So it's not a dumpster it. vaccine. It's just like a legit high-end Wait, vaccine. Wait, what's a dumpster vaccine? So my friend got the vaccine because her mom is a nurse. And at yeah. the end of the day, if they have any left over, they need to use them or they have to throw them out. So now you're seeing people like line up across all these clinics even new york city and west village people are lining up so if there are any left over people can get the vaccine oh for sure these concierge services are probably buying that <gasps> up for if i was a nurse i'd be like low-key selling that there's definitely like a black market business right i now. think so too and it seems like you're making out pretty good with the vaccine so, like, so that's <laughs> i'm just awesome. rolling with it i'm like hey sounds good i'm in one last thing on our sponsor i actually started my uh personal therapy this week which Ooh. was i really liked the experience and And total transparency, they are sponsoring the show, but I really enjoyed the experience. And if anybody has questions or just like curious about it, you can do this like one month trial uh, to work with them just to check it out. And I don't know, I'm really enjoying it. So please reach out if you want to talk to either Brittany or I about it because we are really excited to be working with them. And the pandemic has been very hard for myself or you like a lot of people so this is a really cool way to be able to get therapy in the comfort of your home not to go in and go like hire someone and do a whole thing like just to try it out i've never i've never had a therapist before i've never gone through a therapy session so this is cool because i can dabble into it and like just Mm -hmm. get a sense of what it's even like yeah. Um, before before having to commit like tons of money yes. or do something extreme. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So shoot me a note if you want to chat because I am definitely would love to help get people signed up. All right, Market Minute to open up the day here. So Britt, what do you guess our Market Minute's about today? Oh my gosh. Even Trader <laughs> Joe is like, wow, you've been really covering Bitcoin a lot, probably because of me. I'm like, no, Bitcoin's just a big deal. So that's my guess. Well, look, this show is about covering the headlines and curating what the best headlines are. So if all the headlines are Bitcoin... We're going to be covering Bitcoin, especially when it's this important. I thought it was either going to be Bitcoin or that Norwegian um, cruise, cruise line. Their, 5%. Er, their earnings are tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They yeah. report tomorrow. Yeah. Britt and I are both invested in that. So <laughs> everyone get into it. But we can disclose that we're invested. All jokes aside, we are not registered brokers. Please don't sue us. We are just invested in Norwegian cruise and are excited for it to come back to life. All right. So Bitcoin Wednesday broke a new high. Every day this thing just breaks, breaks, breaks. Like there breaks the ceiling each and every day. Closing in at $52,000. Be really exciting to see. What's your prediction for the end of the week? Do you think they're going to keep going up or do you think they break by 
Thursday. I think it's gonna go up to 55. I'm gonna put a prediction at what are we at 52 at Wednesday at the close. I'm gonna give a 54 price target for Friday. Oh, for Friday. I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. I could say. What's your I, price target? I would say just under 54. Just under. Okay. Okay. There, real fortune. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> okay. All right. But despite all the optimism. Um, I wanted to dig and see like what people are because this is a story like nothing really keeps going and going and going like this again unless you're like zoom like we talked about before but despite all this optimism a strategist ironically from JP Morgan the same bank where remember that analyst gave Bitcoin its super aggressive long-term price target of 146 yes so um, said unless the volatility starts to ebb its current price in quotes looks unsustainable wait what so explain to me what you mean by strategist and analyst and what's the difference well, it's funny because they probably both work on like the same floor technically, but one guy probably covers currency. I don't, I don't even know what the new industry is for Bitcoin, but like there's an FX, there's an energy sector, an industrial sector, a consumer sector. So the guy who covers Bitcoin jumps up and down and says long term price target. Uh, and he got some uh, notoriety for that. $146,000. But a strategist is sort of like the macro guy. They look at everything. So I almost feel like there's this like internal struggle at the bank right now where the analyst is like giving like getting really excited. And then the strategist comes like, out in the media and he's down. like, this can't last, right? Yeah. All right. So the cake here and what I want people to keep in mind, this recent rally is reminding investors of the massive ascent Bitcoin had in, in 2017. So it rallied up to $20,000, which was followed shortly after by a plunge that saw an 80% loss in the coin's value. I remember it was right after Christmas. Yes. Now, yes, things are different and it's being coined, no pun intended, (laughs) as the digital gold. Uh, And plus, even like Goldman Sachs, our boy, who we have not heard back from on our most recent email, Britt, we need to get after their team again to see when he's coming on the show. Um, even they're starting to warm up to it. Bottom line, when it com- here's the bottom line for everybody. When it comes to investing, it's all a game. And guesses can be thought out, modeled, highly educated, like Mr. Harvard MBA, you know, CFA 3. No one actually has the answers. You can, you can have a great, educated, expensive guess. But at the end of the day, most of this investing is a gamble. And so, Jess, you obviously love covering Bitcoin, but you haven't invested anything, right? I can't afford it. I would want the whole coin. I don't want a little piece of it. (laughs) You're like, it's either 50,000 or nothing. (laughs) That's literally how it is. Your mindset is, I love it. You're so funny. (laughs) Jess, I have some celeb couple news. Oh, la, la. Who is it today? Well, you probably already know this, but I screamed when I saw Courtney's Instagram post last night. Yes. Because it was a photo of her holding a tatted hand. And we all know it was Mr. Travis Barker. Miss Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker are official. All right, give us the lowdown. And I also saw this morning he conveniently launched a company, a CBD company, and is now Today? dating. He launched this yesterday. I saw he he's probably just involved as an investor or something, I would assume. But who knows? Oh, interesting. Well, so we talked about them a few episodes ago. You thought he was just trying to get friendly for fame. I mean, they've been together for a long time, but you always got to wonder he's hasn't been a rock star for a long time and the kardashians are you know the queen of hollywood so well okay people have been 
questioning this random couple. But yeah. as we talked about, like they've been friends for over 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I might be biased, but I think dating someone that you've known for a while is very promising. Actually, I agree with that. Good point. I'm excited about this relationship. I think it's different and also stems back years and years. So we know that this is coming from a very strong foundation. Mm-hmm. They actually met back in 2006 when Travis was dating Paris Hilton, who Kim was her like sidekick friend (laughs) slash closet organizer slash assistant and that's and his ex-wife is the one who punched paris hilton in the face remember oh my god for shanna muggler wasn't he hooking up with um paris while he was still married well she i think the vibe we got from it was like he was at a nightclub till like four in the morning and she was at home with like two screaming kids and was like where are you drove out like angrily walked into the club and paris hilton's like laying in his lap and she walked up and supposedly punched her in the face and funny enough they ended up dating after he got divorced yeah so that was interesting and travis but also i found out was the one who encouraged kim kardashian to pitch her own show to a network after kim was in a in an episode of his reality show meet the barkers isn't that cool uh i'm like a deep rooted kardashian student so i i've heard this from uh, like many different camps this person suggested they do the show this person so i take that with a grain of salt I mean, she was already shopping it around, but he tried to give her shed light on what it's like to have a reality show. And I guess like they were already trying. And she said, like, I think my family is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And he just essentially encouraged her to keep trying, keep shopping it around until they get a buyer. I do always love a story that it's like they tried here, they tried there. You know what I mean? I I do love a story like that. Even so, I used to work for Sony Music Entertainment. And Mm -hmm. one of the producers that worked for the brand that I was under, Astronauts Wanted, was part of the production team for the first season of Kim Kardashian or Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And she said um, she was like one of the not the main producer, but she was saying that this all stemmed where they weren't going to get a slot in the network, but then a net, one of the shows fell through. Mm-hmm. So last minute, they essentially used Keeping Up With The Kardashians as their backup mm-hmm. and like how well it did. Yeah, and I think one of the things I, I saw in the e- True Hollywood story or something, the reason for that like Kardashian explosive success is because people hadn't seen that kind of authenticity where, you remember episode two, Chris was like, we had a sex tape, it was crazy. And then, and then Kim's like, yeah. I was horny. I made one. Get over it. Whereas, <laughs> like, you know, Meet the Barkers, they were masking, you know, the, that couple was crumbling, him and Shanna Mockler. And, and it was, you know, the show was kind of like, no, put on your smiles. Whereas Kardashians are like, everything's falling apart and let's show everybody how it's unraveling. And I think that was sort of what connected with the audiences at that time. And going back to Travis and Courtney, in 2017, that's when Travis moved into the same gated community in Calabasas as Courtney. And they started having private dinners at each other's houses even Travis's daughter Alabama was so cute she was like she was talking about how much fun she had at dinners with the Kardashians and how nice they are so it seems like they actually spent a lot of time with each other's families over there's the a years. lot of hookups in this gated Calabasas community like blank Ch- or uh, Tr- uh black China who yep. who does she have her first baby with um what was that guy's name he was dating Tyga oh really yeah so Tyga and black China were friends with Courtney and Scott and then Tyga was sort of getting bored with his baby mama and I think wife. And then he started hooking up with Kylie. And then Black China was apparently like climbing the, you know, over the fence at court at uh, Chloe's house and <laughs> hooking up with Rob. And that's when she got pregnant with Dream. 
Wow. And this is okay. all in this one gated community. I want to go to this gated community. That sounds very fun. <laughs> so interesting enough, both Travis and Courtney experienced their breakups during the filming of the reality shows. So granted, like you said, both of them did the actual official breakup with their partners off the show, but they were like trying to cope and go through the process while they had this reality show to film. So they were able to supposedly bond over that. And also their kids have been good friends for years. Oh yeah, they would be. Mason, I could see being similar ages to his, his, so his he son. has a stepdaughter, which is La Jolla. We talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. Oscar de La Jolla and she's dating oh no she'd be older she's dating Brody Jenner one on a few dates yeah or one was on it a few dates. yeah couple Same hookups thing. with Brody who Jenner knows? and did you remember I think this was you who said it but in 2017 Travis made his first appearance on Keeping Up with the Kardashians where Courtney referred to him as her neighbor and friend mm-hmm. and then in 2019 it turned into them going out to dinner but Travis always saying that he loved her and her family to death but they were just friends however yeah. End of 2020, early 21, you started to see that they were having similar scenic IG stories. So people were starting to think that these rumors were true. And then she posted his like his phone background, which was a picture of her body (laughs) that she posted on her stories. (laughs) Which I was like, wow, casual. And then on Tuesday, they became Instagram official. Oh, yeah. I saw Courtney at Cipriani's before, like a couple of years ago. She walked in with, it goes security guard, Scott Disick, friend, friend, Courtney, security guard, security guard. And she, you know how tall I am? I'm like 5'9". She's yes. very little, um, like little skinny arms, little skinny body, and and very short, probably like 5 feet or 5, five foot 1. I've heard that. I've heard yeah, Kim. Big boobs. All of them are like very curvy, but very yeah. short real hair I was trying to see if she had a wig on she so she does have that long dark hair because I think people think that the Kardashians all have like bald heads and just wear wigs all the time but I could (laughs) tell her hair was real yeah they've gotten a lot of the permanent extensions the ones that are um beaded onto your hair all right what's your cake here you think this is a make it or break it well so it's interesting so like Courtney so the cake in this story which obviously I'm very happy for Courtney I feel like she's had it rough with Scott and like Mm -hmm. they are finally in good terms she focuses a lot on how she eating really healthy, building building her company, as well as being a great mom. And so they, interestingly enough, revealed their relationship days after Scott Disick confirmed his relationship to a 19-year-old who is Amelia Gray Hamlin, who's Scott's a daughter of drugs. Lisa Rena. I'm sorry, but that blonde haircut, that's drug yeah. speaking. He's 18 years older than her. He just broke up with Sophia Ritchie and, in 2020. So I don't know what's going on with him, but... Do you think that Courtney and Travis have a chance of making it or do you think he'll she'll end up back with Scott? I think Courtney is sort of the like Samantha of Sex in the City. Like she has carried that show on her back and and like is the bridge that built them. Like her and Scott's drama, like Kim and Kanye showed up 2 years ago and comes for like occasional scenes. Like Courtney sat there and you saw the baby coming out of her and then Scott and her are like in screaming like real fights. When you watch like OG episodes, you're like I could so, you know, when he got super drunk in Vegas, like that was like mm-hmm. real stuff. And I love Kim, but Kim is the Sarah Jessica Parker. She gets the good fashion moment, the good boyfriend, the good sort of story. And these two had to like scrap it out for the cameras. And she said numerous times like that the show was what destroyed my relationship. But at the same time, the fans like the, oh, maybe Scott and Courtney one day. And I think that's ultimately what made Sophia walk away because she was just like, yo, I'm super hot. I'm 20 years old. I'm loaded. 
and I'm sitting here like walking around with these three like brat kids. No, thank you. You know, and I'm sure Amelia is going to feel the same way probably pretty soon. Well, as I well. mean, They're Mason is 11, so she's only seven years older than his son. Well, I have no issue with the age gap relationship, as you know. Oh, I'm in a course, similar boat over yep. here. But I think that the age gap they're in, like they're 18 to 38, is a weird one. You know, that's sort of Yeah, like, I think there's so many people who have big age gaps. That's not an issue at all. It's yeah. more so like she is in college and she, she yeah. is... He trolls for younger girls in a weird way. Yeah, I know. But moving back to Miss Courtney, I do think that there's good potential between her and Travis because they've both been a part of a modern family. They're co-parenting their Mm -hmm. children. Their children get along very well. So it's not like there's going to be a battle of integrating each other's families with each other. They live in the same neighborhood. Same neighborhood. Both very involved with their kids. And I think their values align. Like they both share experience with living in the spotlight and like being on these reality shows that have Mm -hmm. destroyed their relationships. And like even Courtney, even though she's a Kardashian, she doesn't crave the spotlight like Kim does. I think she's like fine with being famous and she's fine with everything that comes along with it but if she had a preference I think she would like to be a little bit more in the private like have a little bit more of a private life and I I know you think that Travis might want this new claim fame and whatnot but I think he's probably comfortable like he had his 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 peak of being this rock star now he's Mm -hmm. a father and I think that they'll build like a really interesting cool life together but isn't it suspect that if he's over being a popular celebrity rock star like I sent you that picture of them going out to dinner he's still got the exact same beanie on he wears his pants at the same level like he still is embodying the look of a 22 year old Travis Barker and that that raises suspect for me like he hasn't really let go of it yet interesting well I think he's just true to himself like he wore what he wanted when he got famous when he before he got famous and after he got famous all right now for some 90s nostalgia Adam Sandler celebrates the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore oh I saw his Instagram where he like dressed up and he did a hole like a putt is it for golf? Uh, Brett, the sports <laughs> commentator over here, he uh, he did a dr- he actually he drove he did a shot like he used his driver in the same manner that Happy Gilmore did back in the exactly. day. Exactly. Um. So why this is kind of special is Happy Gilmore was Adam Sandler's really star vehicle. The movie put him on the map. Like we were pretty young when this came out but I can still remember it can't you like just like how huge and sensational this show was that's probably one of the biggest highlights of his career still to this day well he made I was going to bring this up he made his production company after the name of his movie right like it's just so cool but he was a really young kid on SNL like early 20s so think of it like think of Pete Davidson as a modern day Adam Sandler that's who Adam Sandler was back in the day but he ended up getting fired actually off the show I think it's because he just became a mega success He quickly like broke into these mega blockbuster movies and it's just a special moment. And I think he's arguably one of the biggest stars to come out of SNL. Obviously, there's huge names, but I would probably put Adam Sandler on the map. I don't know about you, Britt, but I'm a huge Adam Sandler movie fan. How about you? So he's someone I remember like Eight Crazy Nights was like a a movie that I snuck out and watched because it was so (laughs) like, I guess, controversial controversial or whatever. Um, I don't think he's hilarious. Like, I think he tries to be funny and he's and I like the movies he's in, especially when he's partnered up with Jennifer Aniston. I'm a huge fan. Love them um, together. Totally I agree. love them together. Yeah. And I think he's great. But I, I prefer someone who's a little bit more like romantic, whereas he tries just to be like that 
funny, funny. jackass in movies. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate him. I am definitely a fan. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I just think he's one of the most underrated guys in Hollywood. So yeah, are some of his movies huge bombs and boring? Of course. Like all the stuff. This, him and Drew Barrymore are not a good match. They And then Hubie Halloween mm, was like the yeah. most downloaded movie on Netflix. It was like the worst movie I've ever seen. But he definitely has an audience. Spanglish, however, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and then people, he's just sort of quiet about his life. Like Adam's been with his wife Jackie for over 20 years. They're so cute. Like he calls her... Uh, he did a post and said, hey, kid, you're as pretty as the day I met you. I think they have like a 10 year age gap. She converted to Judaism for him. And they're just like such a solid team. They have two daughters and wow. the business is their life, right? Like they go to a sh- he says if a script comes in and like we're going to green light it, it's like a sit down with the family. Jackie okays it. And I just think that's really cool. Like he obviously has like a really good uh unit around him I will say yeah he seems like a very solid guy I think he's really figured out the magic sauce to being a great actor and you know really leveraging it through his production company but also having a like a happy personal life yes we see way too many actors and people celebrities who are beautiful and have great careers but they're definitely lacking in their personal lives or have multiple Army divorces Hammer, unhappy yeah. you look at Army Hammer who like That's looks like he has really it all example. but like, his life is who knows like he's gone yeah. off the deep end he for years and years and years has been able to ma- manage like having these great co-stars that love doing movies with him but mm-hmm. really having this solid foundation of a wife and as a family I like your Army Hammer example because he too, I mean, he's more of the handsome movie star. Adam Sandler's like the blockbuster comedian. But Army Hammer has like a beautiful wife who's like kind of in Hollywood, but it, the, the business is is his career. They also have two kids, like that LA life. But yeah, like just two vastly different Hollywood stories. I just want to highlight in January 2020, Happy Madison, which is Adam's production company, which obviously is named after, you know. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, mix of Happy Gilmore. And I guess Billy Madison, I just thought of that. Um, so his production company signed a second deal with Netflix worth 275 million Whoa. for four years this guy is crushing it wow all right the cake in the story is that I think of Adam Sandler as more of a businessman than a movie star like to me Leo pure movie star same with like a Jennifer Aniston but the Sandlers of the world Reese Witherspoon Brad Pitt mm-hmm. they are just as involved if not more in the business side as they are in the creative side also Will Ferrell is really picking up steam right now because he's put himself in projects like Hustlers and he is I think an executive producer on Succession which is like a ma- massive hit on HBO and did you see how he was in that big Super Bowl ad with General Mo- Motors no, I didn't, but I'm sure he got paid a pretty oh, penny to yes. do that. He's always one of my favorites, too. Yeah, he's... Do you like... So, do you like um, Will Ferrell over in Adam Sandler? Yes. Elf? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Elf I is live so, for I think that Adam movie. Sandler's hot. There's something about Adam Sandler I find, like, sexy and cool. Like, do you remember Big Daddy? Like, was he not totally hot in that? Mm, he's not really my vibe. But him and his wife are a beautiful couple. And his well, whole family. Well, she is perfect. Like, she is, like, beautiful. She almost looks, like, trophy wife pretty. Do you know what I mean by mm-hmm. that? Like, she's yes. got, like, the total solid look. And then he's, like, in enormous shorts and, like, shoes with the laces undone yes. with, like, food on his face, like, eating pizza. And she, it looks like if she, you know, if she sat, she's, like, if something in the air touched her perfect white outfit, like, it would just throw it all off. Like, I kind of do like that contrast between the two of them. All right. So that's all we've got for today. 
We'll be back next Tuesday. And then next week, I'm working on another special true crime episode with Abby. So everybody get excited for that too. Cake for Breakfast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, I wanted to take you on a personal journey that I have been on the past year, and that is therapy. Now, I'm the type of person who used to judge people for going to therapy. I thought it suggested a kind of weakness, a character. So when things got tough, instead of examining my emotions, I'd swallow or push them down, often using extreme exercise as a means to avoid emotional introspection. Yes, I might have been that girl in a boxing class in New York City that accidentally punched somebody in the face once. My therapist argues in a rage. I'm telling you, it was just an accident. (laughs) Anyway, well, the joke is on me because after I turned 30, I started to recognize patterns in my behavior that were really starting to affect my relationships with people. So I looked at the situation and thought I could either spend the next decade repeating these behavioral problems, or I could switch things up and start working on myself and stop blaming everyone else around me for my problems. So how do we do this? Better help. It's the new and improved therapy and best of all, millennial friendly. Okay, this isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Now, let's talk about this for a minute because this was a huge fear of mine. What if I got matched with someone I didn't like? Well, there is no awkward in this game. It's just at the click of a button, you can be switched to somebody else in minutes. Now, I want you guys to take a serious look at your life. And if there is literally anything bothering you or something you're trying to get through, maybe it's a breakup and those are the worst, we all know. Maybe you just had a baby in your home all day and you need someone to talk to. This is where BetterHelp comes into play. So please visit BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P, dot com slash cake and join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Cake for Breakfast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash cake. And you'll be talking to somebody in less than 48 hours. I really encourage you guys to give it a try. Shoot me a DM if you want to talk about it, talk about my experience, or if you need any help getting online, I'm there for you. Britt and I are really excited to have Maggie Antelek on the show today, the owner of Nestia. So Maggie is a New York City-based interior designer. Her specialty is offering affordable home decor solutions uh, through her company, Nestia. Maggie founded Nestia amidst the pandemic, and it's killing it. We love everything she's doing. We love following her Instagram, her Pinterest board, and she's going to come on and give us some great insights on how to maximize small spaces and how to spruce up your, your home living space. All right, Miss Maggie, we are so excited to finally have you on the show with us. As you guys know, Maggie, she's a fan of the show. Maggie, welcome. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm doing great today. Um, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. You look beautiful. You're, I love your outfit and you've already got a podcast studio in your house. So I'm very impressed. (laughs) Yes. And your design skills. Listen, that all comes from a uh, background in photography and photo shoot. So I set it up nicely with the lighting, you know, I had to get it right. The lighting is perfection. (laughs) So we want to learn a bit more about you. Can you tell us a bit about your upbringing? What brought you to the greatest city in the world, New York? Absolutely. Um, So I actually went to school in Boston, grew up in Buffalo, um, went to school for graphic design, and I have a minor in uh, digital art as well. So I have some experience in photo and video. 
my first job out of school, I actually worked for um, an apparel company doing some production design, which I absolutely hated. And I was so sick and creatively (laughs) stunted. I mean, it sounds like it could be creative, but it was very entry level. And in the meantime, I was kind of working on other side creative projects. And while I was in while I was still in college, actually, I started my first business, which I was making jewelry. Yeah, I was making jewelry at the time. Um, I had taken a jewelry course and I just loved it so much. So I started selling my jewelry in Boston and I started an Etsy. And, you know, I mean, again, it was college business, um, but just having fun with it. So while I was at that first job feeling so bored. I was working on it all the time, you know, like kind of in my head or when I went home from work, I would work on it all night and I had a great time doing it. And I did eventually leave that first job and kind of pursue that in a freelance career for a while. Um, at which point I was, I was taking up a lot of extra freelance work with a event planner here in New York city. Um, so she was the reason that I ended up here because after we continued working together, first it was graphic design projects and then it was events. And then it was, you know, she needed me more and more. We were doing content creation and everything on the creative side. She kind of needed help with. So she offered me a full-time job and that's how I ended up in New York, which, you know, that was a dream. Um, I saw Brittany whooping. She was always the main proponent of everybody that she knows ending up in New York City and she got her wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> what am so I claim really to fame? True. Like dream New York job, dream, you know, it was it was like that young 20s girl like, like wow, movie. I made it. <laughs> reunited with your cousin was your top priority, right? Top priority was reunited right. with Brittany. You guys have to expose <laughs> Got, the secret now. So guys, if you don't know, Maggie and I are cousins and Maggie whenever we go out, especially when we're trying to meet guys in the city, she'd be like I have a, guess what guys can you believe Brittany and I are cousins because Maggie is this beautiful blonde tall skinny legged I'm short tiny Asian and we look nothing alike <laughs> so it's so funny that like that's kind of like our warm-up joke when we try to meet guys or did, did. try to meet guys maybe um, maybe still a bit wink wink <laughs> I'll they, they always were very intrigued, and it was a great starter conversation. So, <laughs> Wait, have you guys well, seen Hustlers? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 I, yes. yeah. I remember the scene where she's like, meet my, Kiki Palmer's like, meet my sisters. And it's like J-Lo, and everyone comes around the corner. That's what that reminds me of. That was us. Um, that was us, yeah. That was always us. With and growing meth up. in your purse. Duping men, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so that segments that into my first question for you, Maggie, is like, we both um, are entrepreneurs, very creative, but you grew up with parents with very traditional careers. Our grandpa had his own business and is very much an entrepreneur. So do you think you got this entrepreneurial bug from him? Do you think you're born as an, an entrepreneur? And was this hard to pursue a creative career while your family is all doctors? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of the black sheep. Uh, Brittany's right. Both parents are physicians. <laughs> Older brother is a resident and my younger sister is going to be um, a PA. So she's in school now. So, um, you know, I, I ended up in all of these creative fields, really, and wound up basically being an artist, like kind of in my own respect and very different from everybody. But it's a really good question. It's kind of like you don't know where that all comes. But I think, number one, I was always very creative. I had um, as a as a young kid, I had a babysitter who was an artist. And I think she had a huge influence on me as a kid because we spent so much time with full time babysitters as kids. And, you know, I think because of that, there's not a ton. I mean, there are plenty of creative careers, but not every creative career is traditional in that sense. 
So I think no matter what, if you want to pave your own path in the creative world, you're going to be somewhat entrepreneurial, even if it is just a side hustle, which is kind of what I had in the beginning, you know, I mean, that was what I was doing for so long. Um, And so you kind of find ways to work it out. And I don't see myself as, you know, the business person, even though I now have to be a business person, I'm always going to be the creative person and really just be following. When you're you're trying to do creative and then it's like, oh, wait, I have to run, operate an entire other side of the business. You're like, but no, I just want to be the creative. (laughs) Totally. And maybe the goal would be one day I'd have a partner to help, you know, kind of bridge that gap a little bit, which would, of course, be useful. But right now it's like, you know, you're making it work. I think so much of it was that I got lucky. My parents were so um, they were so like supportive of me wanting to follow this path and wanting to do what was going to make me happy. I mean, telling me that I had to go to school and be a doctor wasn't going to be <laughs> productive for anybody. You know, it wasn't going to make me happy. And then in in turn, it wasn't going to make them happy to see me that way. So I think, you know, they were going to let me do it however I wanted and be supportive along the way, which was super helpful. I was certainly influenced by my cousin who... <laughs> <laughs> we were yeah, you always two both are actually to, pretty we unconventional always... actually now that i think about it like brit is totally unconventional too <laughs> yeah and, but the thing is is as kids like we were always scheming on how we could make money and that was all fueled by her that was that was not me she was just dragging me along for the ride and i was happy to be there but she was like she was like um okay so we're gonna put on a recital and we're gonna have everybody buy tickets to come and watch our show and then we're gonna make raffle baskets and they have to buy tickets to the raffle basket so like by the end of it there we are splitting like 30 bucks that like we made all of our relatives come and watch us do like a crappy dance for and don't forget i had had my dad buy all the goodies to put into the raffle so like we paid our costs those margins, baby, were better than any business I've ever started in my entire life. It was I am insane finally margins. understanding our friendship and our, our business partnership because that I am the Brittany Lowe of my family, too. I used to sell airplane. You know when you got, like, the airplane earphones and, like, the sleep mask? I used to sell them back to my sister and be like, it's $10. <laughs> <laughs> and she would pay full price. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right. That is, that's really fun. Um, All right. I want to get into Maggie the designer because I talk about this on a lot of our shows. I'm obsessed with her. I keep calling it this or that, but what are we calling it now, Maggie? I always call it poles. I just call it, you know, poles, like interior design poles. God, it's like a mental massage. I'm obsessed, you guys. As we tell you a million times, if you're not following Nestia Home, N-E-S-T-I-A Home, you are missing out. Can you walk us through how you think about designing a space? Absolutely. I mean, really what it came down to, like you said, I do have this, um, I think we talked about this before, but I focus a lot on smaller spaces. Although, you know, as the business grows, I'm helping people with full size homes as well in the suburbs. So like, you know, you kind of start to get a mix. It just depends on who I think really is finding me on Instagram and likes what I'm posting about. But for me, it's kind of all about optimizing the space and mostly what people struggle with and they don't realize what they don't like about their space is that it's cluttered. And people don't realize that the clutter is what's ruining their space and having proper storage is extremely necessary for getting rid of that clutter and making your space kind of open and ready for then the, the touches that make it you. Um, first, you have to declutter and you have to make it clean. And then you have open areas to add elements that are your personality and your style. So those are the first things that I cover when I'm working with a client who's working with a lot of stuff and not a mm-hmm. lot of storage. 
That's the first thing we talk about. You need storage solutions. Before we Mm -hmm. can get into cute wall decor and investing in a local artist that you want to put up on your walls, all that good stuff, like you need to put your stuff away into a nice dresser. The people who are beyond that and maybe they do have good storage, they are coming to me saying, I don't know where to start in looking for artwork. I don't know where to start in looking for new bedding. I don't know where to start in looking for style. So they don't really know exactly. And so I do have, you know, my initial clients, they always fill out a questionnaire. I have a style quiz. It kind of helps us narrow down on what they like the most. Um, And a lot of it is a little bit of trial and error. When I'm working with somebody, you know, we do an initial draft of a proposal and they have revisions Mm -hmm. because we we have to kind of keep working until we get it right. And that does help us narrow in on the style. And so going in on the style. So for me, I don't really, I know what I like when I walk into a room, but I have no way of articulating my aesthetic, especially since I haven't owned my own home yet. How do you suggest people going about, in addition to your style quiz, to get a better understanding of their aesthetic? Do they like more? Do they like more modern? Do they like more? Like, I don't even know the terms that are most popular. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. And so um, I think the people who are a little bit less sure, like you're saying about how to articulate, but when they see a photo, they know exactly what they like. A lot of times for those people, I'll put together a mood board that's just images from Pinterest and kind of curate something and say, okay, based on your style quiz, these are the images that I feel like are a great inspiration for your space. But you can tell me, you know, if we're moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. So in that first phase of proposal, I might be sending images back and forth with the client just to see because they might say, you know what, I was answering those questions on the style quiz, but actually I'm really seeing it. I'm really more leaning toward these photos that you just sent me. So that helps a lot as well, because sometimes, you know, they're not sure exactly what they're even looking at when they're looking at the style quiz. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, they might have things in their home and I'm gearing towards the style that they already have trying to work with what they've got because nobody wants to start from scratch spending thousands of dollars. So I'm trying to work with what they do have and play off of those items. Mm -hmm. And if what I send back to them, they don't understand why I chose it. You know, sometimes I just have to explain I was kind of going off of the aesthetic that you already have going in your home, unless you're trying to start from scratch and create this, you know, farmhouse look like you're we're going to be spending thousands of dollars here to get rid of everything (laughs) that you've got and replace it with new things. So, again, it kind of all depends on people's budget, too. Like we're working with what we got or are we starting from scratch? Because if we're starting from scratch, we're going to be spending a lot more money here trying to figure it out, make this new style happen. So, yeah. I sort of have two questions for you here um, that are a little bit different, though. So what are some of the new trends you're seeing in small spaces? And then just to piggyback off the last question, I have suddenly become obsessed with modern farmhouse. And I <laughs> talk with Brittany about it. I wonder if it's because of the Housewives of Beverly Hills. They all buy and it even went home for Christmas. People had these modern farmhouses up in like Saskatchewan. And I was like, this must is this like is that the most popular bougie trend right now? The modern farmhouse style or is that just because it's on TV? Um. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is I'm I'm not as well versed in what's going on in all the suburbs. I'm such a city yeah. girl these days. But definitely from what I can see online, um, especially on Pinterest with Pinterest trends, that's, of course, where home decor kind of shines is Pinterest. That's our mm-hmm. big area. Um, yes, modern farmhouse is a big thing right now. And I think a lot of that is like a little bit due to the pandemic because People are so true. Yeah, because I think that so many people left the big cities and what they wanted was more space. And they're not going to a real rustic farmhouse if they're a city person. They're probably going to be way more geared toward, oh, well, I want a nice house with big space and I kind of want that that farmhouse vibe. But they don't want a full farmhouse vibe. (laughs) They're not going full rustic. 
you know, they're probably going a little bit modern. They're bringing that city culture into a more suburban house. And so it's that combo. So I think that this year it was definitely a bit due to that. And you're right. I mean, people are seeing it on TV. Like it's also just out there in the media. You're seeing it. It's this like aesthetically pleasing, aspirational place that you want to live. But you know what? You're so right on that. I just have to add like the modern farmhouses on the Housewives of Beverly Hills and Vanderpump. Those houses are all in like the valley of L.A. So even those people like they left Beverly Hills to live in the valley, which is essentially the L.A. suburb, right, to get more space, whatever. But that's totally to your point. Like they still want to feel like they're in Beverly Hills. But in reality, guys, you're in the valley now. So yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Trends in small spaces. What are you seeing? What should I be doing? What's sort of the hot take? And to go off of that, so if I, and you know my room, it's like very plain, white, neutral. Now I have a beautiful painting that you did. What would you say, like, if someone wants to start with their bedroom, they don't even know where to start. And it, aside from storage, what are like three things that someone can buy to instantly elevate their their bedroom? That's a great question. So what I usually start with my clients, especially those who are indecisive and that's why they're coming to me. Um, What I always say to them is invest in really nice bedding and neutral, like always something neutral, whether it's white. If you're kind of a more light and airy feminine quality, I'm always suggesting like a really nice white comforter with a white duvet. Or if you're sharing with like a significant other, for example, they might not like the white as much. It might be more of like a male, female kind of settling on a gray situation. And the reason I say that is because bedding itself can be expensive and you should invest in that because you're sleeping on that bed every night. And the way to add touches is to play with things like throw blankets and pillows. Those are way cheaper and you can always swap those out. If you're sick of them in a year, you can go back to TJ Maxx and pick out another cute throw pillow or cute throw blanket and you can instantly change up your space. So in a small apartment, you want to go with neutral bedding, getting some crazy patterned you know, comforter isn't going to do much for your space other than make it look really busy and distracting. Mm -hmm. You want to open up the room when it's already small to be as light and airy as possible. So light bedding is essential. So that's one of the things that I always say. Another thing would be, you know, working with the wall space that you have. If you're in a rental unit, there's maybe only so much you can do. So choosing some artwork that's going to kind of elevate the space, whether it's a little bit over your bed or a little bit in the nook in a corner. For me, it's like I I have this big statement wall that was, you know, one of the first major things I did to my own apartment. But not every everybody has a big open white wall. I just happen to have that. So it was lucky for me. Not everybody has that. You might have like kind of weird, quirky walls. You might have exposed brick. So you can't always do tons of artwork on the wall. So don't just fill the wall with any artwork that you have just because you have it kind of pick and choose and and decide where in your space is the easiest wall to place something and then choose either furniture or um, an open space to put that artwork over. Like I always call it an anchor. So you can use your Mm -hmm. bed as an anchor. There would be artwork over your bed. So like Brittany, I had suggested to her that she uses that space that's above her bed to anchor a piece of art because she had a huge open wall above her bed. It almost looked weird because it was so open. For me, I have one artwork. What were you doing? (laughs) <laughs> waiting for <laughs> Nestia to launch. Duh. Yes. Um, so I have like one artwork over my bed and then I have a little corner chair, like an armchair, and that's its own little nook. And I have a couple of pieces anchored over that armchair. So it's always about kind of anchoring something. So again, in a small space, choosing those things, those places wisely where you are going to yeah. hang up artwork. Which brings me to my next question um, going off of that. So I'm a, I'm call me 25 or 27, moving into my first one bedroom 
bedroom apartment. I am not married, but I, you know, obviously want to, if I'm going to start dating somebody, I want them to come into a nice space. And I have a little bit of money to put it. I already own my bed and I have a little bit of extra money to buy something, you know, a bit nicer than I would have bought at 23. What do you think is that item? What's that item worth investing in that has value? That's a good question. Oh man, what a what a tough one. I can it's hard to narrow down to one because I feel like it's important to invest in all of your main furniture, but I guess I would say um a the dresser because the thing about Yeah, the thing about the dresser is it's such a big piece, at least especially for for girls, I'm sure, I mean, at least I know the two of you are very fashionable ladies and you have a lot of clothes like I do, um, <laughs> too many clothes. And so you're, we're not getting away with those small dressers. It just isn't going to cut it. So if you're going to have this huge piece of furniture in your room, it should be a nice one. You know, going to West Elm and investing in that $500 to $1,000 dresser might be the better move because you don't want a dresser that's going to look like an eyesore in your room. Mm-hmm. And you really do want a nice big one that's actually going to hold your stuff. Whereas let's say the bed, for example, there are really affordable, great bed frames, even the ones that don't have a huge headboard. And you can always make a bed look really pretty with beautiful bedding and beautiful pillows. You can basically Mm -hmm. cover up the entire bed frame with your comforter if it's nice and big and fluffy and beautiful and all of your throw blankets and pillows and make it look gorgeous without the actual bed frame being so beautiful and nice and high quality. Of course, if you can invest in both, that's great. But I would say that the dresser is a little bit more obvious when you walk into the room as far as actual piece of furniture goes. The bed can be masked by the other stuff, you know? Jeez, she Ooh. knows her stuff. I like You make this. me want to get a dresser now. Really nice. I know. One. I never actually thought about a dresser. I was. I thought you were going to say like a couch or a, a mirror. I mean, I, I can't wait to get like the beautiful $1,000 mirror from Anthropology that everybody yes, has yes, now. Yes, everyone like, has that one. for it, but... You know, I'm not going to invest in it because honestly, in my apartment right now, I don't have a good spot for it. So unless you're in a position where you have Mm. the perfect spot Mm. to invest in a gorgeous mirror and it's becoming a statement piece of decor in your place, I wouldn't say it's the best idea. For me, it's not a good idea right now. I don't have a place that's great to put it. So what would be the point? So if you're going to create that, like, let's say you have a really big open wall and you don't want to decide on an artwork to invest in right now, like some big canvas, beautiful piece, but you really love that mirror. That could be kind of your decor piece that you choose. Maybe it is the mirror that you want as your big statement piece in the middle of your living room or whatever. (laughs) Then the guy that you're dating comes over and he's like, this chick is definitely an influencer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, she... I've seen this mirror on Instagram too much. She must <laughs> she must be an influencer. Mirrors also really open up a room. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. great design qualities to it. I mean, there's really good benefits to having great mirrors in your space. And mirror outfits have the highest ROI on Instagram. Ooh, oh, interesting. wow. There we go. Okay. Yep. Mirror That's what my friend Kayla said. Maggie, can you give us your, this This killed me on Instagram. Now, are you single in a relationship, dating a couple guys? What's the status? <laughs> I'm single. Single, okay. She's single and guys should be wanting to mingle. But what was the thing you did? You said the four things, four red flags, uh, what, what you see at a guy's house. I died. Can you give us that? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So I've done a couple TikTok series um, called She Won't Sleep With You If. <laughs> um, just meaning there are certain items that should not be in any adult male apartment. Um, and if you see these items, you should be scared and immediately get into an Uber. Please leave. <laughs> and what are those items? So let me think. The first In the first round, I must have done, um, if they have any um, beer uh, 
beer boxes as decor on their walls like you used to see in college like oh you save yeah. the you save the things that you like drank over the weekend with your guy friend <laughs> with the dudes and like you made Ew. it into decor and you put it up on your wall if they keep their alcohol bottles at the top of their cabinets um you know as again like prize of how much they drank over the weekend like we're kind of done with that phase of light life um the guys who have the weird string led lights which the Gen Zers are going to come for me because they love LED lights, but, like, I'm not about them. I like them if they're done tastefully and actually done well. The really nicely done LED lights when they're properly installed underneath furniture to accentuate certain design aspects in your home, like, they can really work. But people who just put the strip of LED lights and, and turn them on red, you know, like... That red lighting is looking like a devil's den. Like we're not trying to hook up in this space. Like, what about the red room though? It could they could be giving you like Christian Grey vibes and stuff. Uh, I I mean, if that's what you're into, sure. But like, if it's done in a tacky way, then you should be scared. <laughs> Maggie, can you tell me? And I want to do a TikTok out of this. Can you give us three signs of a polished New Yorker's apartment? Absolutely. Okay, three signs would be a really nice area rug. If she has hardwood floors, because that's a great accent piece for any room, artwork on her walls for sure, and a beautiful dresser. There you have it, guys. That's what, you gotta, that's what you got to get to get with the program. Now, I, we've said it a bunch, but where can everybody find you? Nestia Home on Instagram, N-E-S-T-I-A-H-O-M-E. Um, you can also find me online, nestiahome.com, N-E-S-T-I-A-H-O-M-E.com. There you can book a free consult with me anytime you guys free. want. Free. Yeah, free, free. We can talk through just your needs. It's just an intro call. Um, so please feel free to sign up. There's kind of no harm in it. And you can find it right on my website. And yeah, that's, I mean, those are my main spots. But of course, you can always email me, nestiahome at gmail.com. You can find, you know, another contact form on my website. So all that stuff is is basically right there. You can find me in all those spots and on Pinterest, Nestia Home. I have great stuff on there. So please Ooh, check I out Pinterest I love a good too. Pinterest. Or just reach oh, out to wow. Britt and I directly and we can connect you to Maggie as well. Um, I love what you're doing with small spaces in New York. I feel like you've coined this idea of, of painting the headboard. I love the photos you did of your, of your so recent... Collab with a client, and we're just really excited to see your business grow. Keep working together on Keek for breakfast, and um, yeah, everybody reach out to Maggie and, and say hey. Now, for a quick interruption, I just want to ask something out of you guys. If you were listening to the show today and have not subscribed, would you mind just taking a couple seconds to do so? It's super simple. I'm going to walk you through it really quick. All you have to do is pick up your phone that you're listening to the show on. Go to the main screen. You should see a purple icon. It almost looks like a satellite dish, and it says podcast below it. Once you open that up, in the search icon, type in cake for breakfast. The show will come up, and just hit the subscribe button. It's free for you and very meaningful for me. It supports my business. And honestly, Oprah asks her listeners to do the same thing, so I don't feel weird about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and thank you even more for supporting the show today.